Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. We're talking today about when not to speak to the media. Um, And that's a very interesting topic because it's kind of, as Jordan, you just were just saying, the other side of the coin. Yeah, we spend a lot of time and and we get paid to do media training on how to talk to the media. But, you know, sometimes that's not always a beneficial thing for your brand uh, or your business. So like we normally do, we're going to break this down into 15 minute mini conversations for you. And during the first 15 minutes, we're going to walk you through some of the three most common scenarios that we have dealt with at MNC when working with our clients to see if, is it really beneficial for that client to make a comment and what implications it may have if they do in fact respond to a media request. Uh, Quarter past the hour, we're gonna bring you some examples about how we have helped some of those clients make their decision uh, to not comment and though they wanted to, and that's a big thing because we do preach at MNC that any media inquiry can be an opportunity, but there's still you have to weigh that risk versus the reward. Half past the hour, we're going to tell you about some of the questions you should ask yourself to determine if uh, responding to a story request is going to be the best tactic for your business or brand. And finally, to round out the last 45 minutes of this, we're going to be taking some of your questions and maybe elaborating a little bit deeper into some of the things that we have seen in our experience as journalists and maybe being on the other side of that um, as to how we can help you. And I'm hoping the journalists, if if any journalists are watching, watch what we have to say before you're like, what the heck are you telling these people? (laughs) Because I think you might be surprised with what we say. So just a little tease there. And so by the end of this episode, you're going to know the best course of action in responding to a media quest or request, excuse me, or, um, and when you thinking about if you want to add some information, especially if it's been a negative story, or if you even want to respond, depending on um, how engaged people are and does it make sense to respond. So if you are joining us live on Facebook today, we hope you'll jump in and send us your questions and comment, post, tell us what you think. If you're watching this later on Facebook or on YouTube, please email us. Any questions you have, we'll be more than happy to answer them for you. Um, And 
remember, as always, we're going to have a downloadable one sheet, which we're going to talk to you about. Um, and it's if you go to our Move the Stairs blog on the uh, MNC Communications page, our website, you'll be able to download that about 20 minutes after we're done. Uh, and I think that you'll get some good information there. And again, it's a quickie one sheet of things to think about um, when you're especially in one of those questionable situations mm. where the media is contacting you for a comment. So, Jordan, I'm I'm going to move right into move the stairs. Um, yes, please. This at the top of every of every one of our move the stairs chats. Move the stairs is looking at the situation you're in, trying to find the most creative way to work within the parameters of whatever it is. And man, that's never more important than it is right now with all the cultural changes we're going through. We're coming up into an extremely politically charged season. Um, so how do you move the stairs? Uh, where this came from was very quickly, I was a field producer. Um, it was my first time out at a major television uh, news station. Um, Senator McCain was um, was being elected and we, it was a, we knew he was gonna be elected. He was an incumbent at the time. Um, and in TV news, there's a rule, whoever gets the interview first wins. Now out there in TV land, nobody knows this rule, but man, if your bosses are watching and you're <laughs> trying to impress them, you better get that interview first. When I walked into the big ballroom where he was gonna give his acceptance speech, there was a, a riser with a podium and there were a set of stairs. And unfortunately, my station was completely out of position. Um, and, and the other two stations were on this side, on this side of the riser was the PBS station and then my station. Uh, but I looked and I saw there were a set of stairs that were hooked into the riser. Um, and they had these wonderful bolts on them, which I undid. Um, and the riser or the stairs, luckily, the big metal stairs had rollers. So I lifted them with all my might, brought them around to my side and put them in. I did it in front of everybody, but nobody paid any attention to me, which was really great. And when Senator McCain came out, and went down the stairs, he went straight to my station and we got it first. So we try to move the stairs in for every client that we have. And personally, I try to move the stairs in my personal situations and challenges. So instead of saying, oh man, I am really out of position, we'll use that word in this situation, what can we do to give your, to give you or to give ourselves the best benefit to have a very successful situation? So that's Move the Stairs. Now, when you're off for some well-deserved time, Diane, I am going Stone. to tell the Move the Stairs Stone. story. <laughs> and I am going to embellish it so much. I may toss oh, in yeah. like one of those Anchorman fight scenes with all the, the stations scrapping with one another. But <laughs> it's I a great mantra. Stairs. I will tell you, I've moved the stairs in other situations where I have had engineers from other stations literally chasing me because they were not happy about what I did. But <laughs> again, it was always ethical and it was just, they never thought of it. What can I say? Exactly. So, anyway, <laughs> oh, all right, Jordan, let's talk a little bit about our topic today. Yeah, so topic number one, we, we broke this down uh, just a few seconds ago, but the three most common situations that we've run into with some of our clients where we've advised them to seriously consider if they want to make a comment on a story and what those implications might be uh, if they do respond to that story. So as you know, Diane and I are both former journalists, as is Sarah Beatty, who's off right now, and we understand the power of what it means to be prepared for an interview and how getting your message across is really important. But there are quite a few times 
when it may not necessarily make sense to directly respond to a topic or an interview or to seek one out yourself, especially if it's a delicate topic or a very important one. Diane, you mentioned the politically charged um, kind of arena that we're in here in 2020, especially with it being an election year. So this may be kind of a fluid situation that will change. Uh, something to keep in mind. So today we're going to talk to you about how you can develop kind of a mental checklist so that when you get that phone call, you don't have that moment of shock where you're frozen and you don't know what to say. And then you say one thing or the other that's not necessarily the right thing. So we're going to help train your brain so you know exactly what you should say in a situation where you're trying to determine whether or not you want to talk to the media. Absolutely. So here are some items from the checklist. Um, And there's four of them. So first, you always start. So they say, hi, how are you? I want to, uh, this is so-and-so and I want to talk to you about this. Always the first question is, oh, that's great. What is your deadline? This gives you an idea of how much time you have to get your stuff together because you're not going to answer the questions. And I really want to emphasize this. Do not answer the questions until you know what the heck they're going to ask you mm-hmm. or have an idea of what they're going to ask you. And you put that phone down and you brought the cortisol level down a little bit. <laughs> your body is like, oh. um, or even if you know them really well, sometimes you can get be very glib. Uh, not a good idea. So you want to ask these questions and then get off the phone. So what is your deadline is the first question always. Second, what's the story about? So I'm sure I am the best person for this interview. I always ask that question. If I can understand better what that reporter is looking for, um, I can actually better answer the questions. And I may know someone who would be even better for that reporter. And I can incorporate that into my response back to the reporter. Now, I would not probably offer that person up unless I let them know that I was offering them up. But there are many situations where um, we get a call for a client and that client probably isn't the best person to respond to that. So if I can understand what the reporter's going for and what's really going to help the reporter, um, there may be somebody who's better for them. I want to know, third, what show or publication this is for. This is really, really important because different shows have different bents. And one of the things you always want to remember is the reporter that you're talking to is going to write a story, but an editor is going to go through and edit that story and write the teases if it's broadcast, maybe write the intro. And if it's print, they're gonna be writing the headline. So understanding if you're talking to somebody on a national level from MSNBC or from Fox, it's gonna be a completely different story, no matter what you say on those two different outlets. Talking to somebody from the New York Times or the Atlanta Journal-Constitution could be a completely, or the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, or even USA Today. Those are all different tones and tenors. So understanding that you may be giving facts and you may have what you think is a very innocuous, but kind of informative and light-hearted comment. They could be taken completely different ways depending on what the outlet is. So knowing who you're talking to and how thinking about how they might respond is really, really important. I also ask about the angle of the story. And the way I do that is 
um, saying, you know, what is it that you what is it that you really want out of the story? And that's how I put it. Lots of times you get a bit, much better uh, idea on that. Um, and fourth, so first we're going to what is your deadline? And then second is what's the story about? Third is what's the publication or the outlet, if it's a broadcast outlet, radio or TV um, or online. And if you don't know anything about the reporter, after you have those three questions and you get off the phone, which is really important, you need to do your homework on that reporter. And again, it doesn't take more than five to 15 minutes to see. Remember, many print reporters are freelancing. So they may be writing for a lot of different publications. So you know the publication now because you've asked specifically, and they may say that they're pitching you to two or three. Another mm -hmm. thing to keep in mind. But if you go on that reporter's Twitter, the reporter will have their latest stories on their Twitter account. So that's an easy way to see the last three or four things that that reporter's written as opposed to trying searching it in the different publications. And then you get an idea of the tone and tenor of what that reporter writes and how that reporter writes and what have they gone after? What angle have they taken in their, in their previous interviews? Gives you a much better idea. So look at their publication and their work. Well, now that Diane has broken all of that down for you, the reporter says, well, your local politician said this, and we're hoping to get your comment on that. This is the number one situation that we've seen recently with some of our clients, these politically charged scenarios. And if there's any type of hot water, you may find yourself in, especially on social media, where your name brand can get dragged through the mud fairly easily when you dive into that realm, it's going to be in a politically charged situation. Right now, you're gonna see a lot of national stories and Diane, both you and I working in journalism, we know that when these national stories hit CBS this morning or GMA or Today Show, a lot of times the local affiliates will try and localize the story. How can we take this national story and show how it's important to our local community? They may reach out to you for comment on that. So you're going to have to try and, and see how people from both sides of the issue would see your response. And also keep in mind, uh, people who already have their mind made up about one or side of an issue or another, they're going to always see it through their perspective. You're not going to be out there trying to change their mind on something. And you may be giving a factual statement that's 100% true, but somebody's always going to see it differently. And you kind of alluded to that uh, earlier, Diane, when you were talking about a report from MSNBC being completely different than what a reporter from Fox News Channel may report on for the same question. And the reality is that your customers, when they see your interview, depending on where they are, um, they also think, what the heck? Well, the other one's like, right on. And exactly. <laughs> that. It, it may not even be a comment. It's you're giving a fact about something. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't like the way she said it that way. Um, or, oh, well, now I know how she feels. And that's great because I agree with her. So that's so just know that that's what's going on out there. So that's something to think about as well. We don't want you to shy away from all interviews. That's not what this is about. We want to prepare you so that you're ready and you can think about what is it that I'm saying and how could different people take that from their perspective. So number two, um, updating a controversial situation that impacts your business. So if you've been involved in or your interest, your industry has been involved in something 
um, that you think were maybe you were in your estimation unfairly targeted by the media. This happens all the time. Um, and what I will say to you is nine times out of 10, they're not targeting you. They're doing a story and you happen to be the one that they chose. That's all I can tell you. But um, but things you weathered that storm. Um, maybe you had protests. Maybe you had uh, social media uh, that was negative. Um, but but it's past. Something has passed on. The storm is over. You're through the story. Things are now calm. And you've just uncovered a new fact that you really think bolsters your side of what was going on, and they should know it. Really want to think about how important that fact is. Because first off, if your company has been the one who, where they took the video, so if they were outside of your business, and this was a very difficult time for you, and they, you know, and, and they have that video, but they don't have the video of anyone else. If you release the one fact that helps build your case, what is not definitive in any way, just kind of adds to it, what you've just done is reignited the fire under the whole controversy. So you really want to think, is it worth it? And if you have, if you feel that you have been wronged, it is so easy as time goes on and new information comes to light to think, oh, if they only knew that, if I had been able to say that, well, I'm going to say that now. Just understand that the other story, the original story will be completely rehashed with maybe that new information. But what the viewer, the reader, the listener hears is that negative story all over again. So you must think, is that information so strong? And, and there are times, I want to be clear, there are times when you should be out there writing the record. Absolutely. Uh, writing the wrong, fixing the situation as much as you can, getting your side of the story out. There are absolutely there are those times. You really want to weigh that and you want to weigh it with somebody who understands how the media works so that you know, is it worth um, going back to this? We're going to have some tips on other things you can do besides you personally going out as we come up in, in the third half hour here. But I just wanted to say to you, just really, really think about that. Yeah, as you've maybe seen some of our other videos, when we talk about crisis communications, if you're in that scenario where you're working on refilling your trust bucket, do you really want to dump it out again? <laughs> exactly. That's a great way to put it, Jordan. Exactly. That's it. And, and the reality is that uh, your listeners, your viewers, your readers already have the other story in their head. So you're just reinforcing. They're, so they may not even hear the new information. But again, you're weighing that. That's hugely important. There are times, and I'm going to give you an example of a time when it was hugely important that we did that. Uh, but you must really, really think about, is it worth it to, to add in that new information? Is it worth it for you? All right. And number three, responding to a story or a social media post where maybe you don't think your side was adequately represented. It happens every day, friends. Yep. Every single day. Clients will be really upset about you know maybe something they feel is unfair coverage maybe it's the tone of the story feels like an attack or maybe it's a product being misunderstood you know we've seen things diane like a false claim that cbd may get you high or it may show right. up on a drug test and exactly. you know, it's, it, it's sometimes those misconceptions that people may only read the headline that they'll jump to the comments section and right. that's where a lot or, of things can get wrong. they were interviewed and from our perspective it's a fantastic interview but 
there was one part that they really loved that they said and the reporter didn't put it in so right. what the heck is the matter with that story right exactly so we're, we're always trying to say you know take a step back get an outside look at what the story is really about if you really wanted that reporter to use the quote about you talking about your kitten is the story about your kitten probably not <laughs> Uh, so it's always good to kind of look at it through a fresh set of uh, uh, glasses, you know, a fresh lens to see, okay, is it a personal attack? Is there something happening here that I need to follow up with the reporter and address? Or is it the tone or the context of the social media post that may have you a little fired up about things? And it's also really important, Diane, when we talk about social media to see how people are engaging with the post. What are they saying? Are they going to bring attention to the story by engaging with that post or bringing it to the attention of the media with a positive scenario? Or will it have more of a negative connotation? Those are things really to be thinking about when you choose to uh, use social media as your platform to maybe address a few things like that. The other thing I think that you have to be careful is um, so many, I have worked with so many reporters where I've had to call and say, Man, that's not quite how we expected that to come out. What's going on here? Would you be interested in doing a, um, a, a retraction, a change, especially if it's online? Would you change the sentence? Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to do that. But nine times out of 10, it's the editor who has changed it, um, which is also a way for the reporter to kind of get around things, too. Sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. But the point is that... Um, these to be really important because you you want to remember it's a relationship and would it be better was it was it really something that's just sticking in your craw or something that your your clients or customers are going to see that that is it going to have them think twice or is it something that's not even going to you know be a blip on their radar and if so i want that relationship with the reporter so that i can get another story out of that reporter and right. maybe have some other ideas for that reporter um, and so I'm, I may not go there. So it's really something you want to think about. So I want you to remember that we have a downloadable sheet that is going that has a list of 12 questions for you to ask yourself um, about whether you should take an interview and whether or not you should respond um, negatively to something that you where you feel you've been wronged. Um, and I think it's a great downloadable sheet. So um, when we're done, run over to MNC Communications. Dot com and you'll be able to download that. So that'll be really great. So um, let's go through some examples of what we've talked about. So the first thing, Jordan, you talked about was a politically charged situation. Yep. Um, yep. One of the examples that I think is great is, and I'm not going to do anything very recent, but the whole immigration issue became such a hot topic. Mm -hmm. So um, as you know, as many of you know, we work with a lot of farmers. And immigration is huge. I mean, for for they they bring up families every year from Mexico to help pick the fruits and vegetables in the fields, um, and many of them have farmer have um, have um, workers farm workers who have been coming for generations. The the families come, they bring their kids. The kids grow up. The kids then come, and I mean, we're talking three, four, five generations, um, and they do a great job of. Um, of, of providing them housing and health care and sanitary services, a fantastic job. And probably three years ago, um, in fact, I know three years ago, we were pitching that story. 
because it was a great story. It showed how much farmers cared. It showed how much, uh, what an integral part um, these immigrants were and how their communities were thriving. Um, but in the, in the current political situation, immigration has taken on a whole new connotation. Now, when we get an immigration um, request, not only have we thought about the, the words that we use, but we may send that request to more of an industry group as opposed to a specific farmer um, because of the backlash. No matter what that farmer says, it's very interesting, but it could be taken the wrong way by people who are very active, politically active. Um, and it will also be taken well by some people but we're putting our clients in kind of a weird situation there. So that's an example where you really have to think about what's going on in the context of the world. And whenever you do an interview, you need to know what the news of the day is and you need to know what the news of the past month has been so that you can figure out, is this something that I really want to comment on personally as my business? Because remember, brand protection is our number one mantra at MNC Communications. We want to protect and build your brand. And so you don't want to put yourself in a position where you might, you might um, inadvertently end up in a negative situation and the, the middle of some type of a, of a storm that you don't even have anything to do with. So that's number one. So number two here, <clears throat> this is going to be a story that I know made national headlines and took place about 10 years ago. There was an erroneous story about Rocky Ford cantaloupe having listeria. Now, it turns out the people that got sick from listeria and unfortunately passed away, um, they got sick across a dozen states. 30 people died. And the farm that actually produced the, the cantaloupe that people ate and got sick was 90 miles away from Rocky Ford. But it still used their name because Rocky Ford, as people in Colorado know, is synonymous for making amazing produce. So this is an example when it was imperative that the story was updated, but the update needed to include new video opportunities for the extensive cleaning process that farms in Rocky Ford actually use to keep their products safe for all of their consumers. So what you did, Diane, you and Sarah, you went out there and you shot new video, the packing shed, the tracking equipment, the extensive cleaning process they used. I mean, heck, I remember you telling me about the uh, the story when you pitched media about having the uh, the portable um, kind of trailer. What do you call porta -potties, it? The, the, the porta potty. There you go. <laughs> out Our in the field. Porta potty field. story was a great story. <laughs> exactly, and you know you have hot soap and water to wash your hands at all times, and that was a really big deal because this these poor farmers had nothing to do with this tragic story, but they were facing the brunt of it. Well, not only were they facing the brunt of it, I mean, literally um, at one point, they had no orders for the coming year. Yeah. No orders. And they were not going to have any orders. And it also had a halo effect. Um, the state of Colorado started taking the name Colorado, for instance, off the onions because Listeria, because, because the, more than 30 people, 33 people died from this thing. And um, and more than 100 were sick. And it was national news. And, and Rocky Ford, Rocky Ford just kept getting pounded for months until they figured out it wasn't Rocky Ford. But then by then, the stories are everywhere. And we know how stories live on the Internet. So it was imperative in that situation to not only go out 
and really push the appropriate story, but to make sure the visuals were there as well, to make sure the new story angles were there. We also had the governor, the head of the Department of Health, anybody we could find who the, the department, the head of the Department of Agriculture, all eating Rocky Ford cantaloupe on the air. So that every time you turned around, you saw somebody with credibility eating the Rocky Ford cantaloupe. So it was, and it was a situation where it took years, literally years. And we still work with these great guys down there um, and gals. But the, but the point is that was a time when it made sense to go back as opposed to maybe a situation where it's one article and, uh, and it's, it's, it wasn't even a slight, but it kind of felt like a slight if you were there. And it, is it really worth going after that one topic? So that's our example for that one. And then um, our last example is when you get attacked on social media. Um, we had a client who was totally unfairly attacked. They had nothing to do with what the problem was, but their name was, was muddied for weeks on social media. What's fascinating about this is that very few people saw this post. So when we went in and we did our uh, monitoring and we did our evaluation, we realized very few people were engaging and the people who were posting had a very small following. So had we really gone after it. And there are probably trolls involved on top of everything else. Had we responded to that, it would have blown up because that's what everybody wanted. So that was a time when it made more sense to have all of our back stuff ready. We had messaging ready. We had releases ready. We had a PR plan ready. We were ready to go if this thing blew, but it did not. And it's hard to sit back especially when it goes on for months. But when you realize the same people are seeing the same message um, and it's an extremely small number, if you engage, then of course, social media is going to pick up that you engaged. Mm -hmm. So you want to really think about, is that the time to respond? But you must be ready because if it does blow, if somebody does get it, if you get that reporter's call on it, you need to know exactly what you're going to say and where you're going to go. So Jordan, you were part of that. That that was a, it's it's always that how big is it? And are we just going to fan the flames by responding, right? Right. I mean, what's the uh, saying? A lion doesn't concern himself with the 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 help me out. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> a lion doesn't concern himself with the the opinions of a of a mouse or something like that. So it, it's the same thing. If you're being wrongfully attacked, but the, the share of the voice that's attacking you is so small that, you know, the broader audience isn't going to hear it, why bother responding in, you know, adding your voice to that conversation? It doesn't make sense. Nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, your voice is bigger than that troll right. or that very small group. Um, who is basically knows it's not you that's the problem, but they're trying to get you involved so that they can take their issue to the next level. So exactly. So really you have to be very cognizant of that um, and not have that knee-jerk reaction of, that's, that's not true. That's not us. That's not who we are. Okay, that may all be true, but who's actually seeing that? Sometimes also in that scenario, um, think about 
I'm thinking about another crisis situation we had and the group that did see it, there was a reporter involved and the group that did see it was a very hyper-localized group. This is another situation, a hyper-localized situation. The media in this one was hyper-localized. So we decided to respond in a hyper-localized way. And when the response went out, it was a fairly robust response, a very personal response, but it only went out to that group. And it was amazing how that quelled that situation as well and really took down the temperature and it ended up that once people understood what did happen in that highly localized group, the, the public opinion changed 180 degrees, which was great. But that's something else. You have different levels of response. So you wouldn't go to the, the city paper with this story. You might go to the community newspaper where this, whatever the story is, has hit and answer it that way. Or you might write an editorial to the community newspaper. Um, and then the community newspaper may put it on their social media. But the likelihood that, that somebody on the outside of this is going to see it and think it rises to the level of a bigger story. And this story that I'm thinking of, because of the politically charged environment, could actually have gone national, would not have shocked yeah. me in the least for this story. Yes, to go it could have. Right? <laughs> I so know exactly what story you're talking about. It And it absolutely had it had, you know, this particular um, client of ours not looked at the next questions that we're going to cover in our next topic. I mean, that it could have been pretty ugly for them. So it could have. Uh, and immediately when they when when the story initially broke, they're like, what are we going to do? I'm like, OK, <laughs> figure out who's seen it. Let's figure out who's responding to it. Um, and let's have a complete plan in case in case it does go national. Right. So we're ready if that happens. But our goal is to keep it within this small community. And that worked out very well. So that was good. Indeed, it did. Now, for those of you maybe joining us for the first time, we do this every Friday. And every week, we tackle a new topic to help you protect your brand and build your business. Now, next week, we're going to get back to more of our fundamental roots here and teach you how you can establish a thought leadership program, um, particularly for CBD companies, but also for other businesses, too. We're going to have some great tips here that can really help anybody who wants to put their share of voice out there. Um, as you're working to kind of build up your business and brand. So if you have any questions about that, feel free to send us an email. I'm Jordan at mnccommunications.com. Diane is D. Mulligan at mnccommunications.com. Or you can leave us a comment here, and we'll be sure to get to those next week and uh, answer your questions next Friday. The other thing I would say is the thought leadership discussion, much like the media training discussion we did last week, when you're talking about these types of issues where you're deciding whether or not to respond because you have been maligned in some way or you have the reporter on the end of the phone because it's an interesting, you're going to be localizing an interesting story. Um, if you have that thought leadership, yes, you may be called, but that puts you in an opportunity position to figure out what you want to do. If you're not called and your competitor's called, um, they are in an opportunity position that you don't have. So it's something to really think about because being out there is really a good thing if yeah. you're out there the right way. And if you have the preparation and the skills to handle both the positive and the negative that will come from that. So it's a little bit of what we're going to talk about next week. 
So Jordan, let's talk. Let's tackle this now. Um, I have been waiting for this topic the entire hour. I am so excited for this one. (laughs) So here is what you're going to download, because this is really important. What are the questions you should ask for engaging with the media or deciding to pitch a story on something that's been controversial or negative because you want to take it to the next level? So one, will this interview fairly represent my business? you to really think about that if you're already behind the eight ball is this interview going to take you around to the front of the eight ball and put you in a better position or is it something that's just going to reignite and bring back up what just happened with maybe just a quick new top on it and people are not going to remember that new nugget so think about that will this interview help promote my business Sometimes it will. In the case of Rocky Ford, it really helped promote their business. They sold out the next summer. Um, They sold out of Cantaloupe, even with all the stuff that had happened. It started in um, September, September, October, the year before, and, and, and there was all this crazy stuff. They still sold out. So, yes, in that situation, it did. But you need to think about what's the likelihood. Um, From the controversial localizer, is it something you want to talk about? Do you feel strongly about it? Um, is it currently a polarizing topic in the public? So Even if you do strongly? feel strongly about it, I mean, should you be saying anything? <laughs> brand protection. Right. <laughs> Are your feelings something from an industry standpoint where you want to be a leader? Or are they more personal feelings that, uh, and you, I have so many clients on both sides, whether we're talking conservative or or progressive, or whether we're talking um, the, the conservative or the progressive, conservative, liberal, however you want to put that. I have clients who are who are just adamant about their side, which is how our world is right now. Mm-hmm. So would I be out there saying this is where I am in relationship to my business in a public format? Probably not. I don't think that I would do that. So think about that. Um, If I comment, how will people with different perspectives respond? My example of that is the um, is the right to life versus the abortion debate. When I was in news, that was one of the biggest debates out there. And no matter what story, oh, still is absolutely. No matter what story we did as a news director, I got calls. From both sides, I could I could time it <laughs> on how we were on one side or the other side of that story, and they would be both coming on the same story. It happened over and over and over again. So really, really think about that, Jordan. What's our next one? Next question here is: Is it an opportunity? for you to position yourself as a thought leader on the topic. And you mentioned that earlier, Diane, if your competitor is getting the phone call and they have the skills to handle the phone call, whether it's positive or negative PR from a reporter, unless they totally blow it, uh, that's a missed opportunity for you. And if you're not necessarily positioning yourself as a thought leader, at least in landscape of media coverage is concerned, um, you're missing out on maybe getting your message out there to potential customers 
or uh, other people who may be interested in your brand later on down the road. I think that's really important, but you don't, you, the key here is you have to be prepared for it because if you get that call and you blow it, you're going to do more right. harm than good. Right. I also think you need, and this is the next question, you need to be prepared for the repercussions of those who don't agree with you. Right now, people love people who agree with them. They watch media that agrees with them. We have so much to choose from that we can find um, find all types of things that reinforce our position. Correct. And while there are people out there who are open-minded and who want to hear both sides, um, you're going to have clients and customers that don't. So is that okay with you? Is it okay for you to take a stand? Um, we had a discussion about that when we were talking about rapid cultural changes like two weeks, three weeks ago, and mm -hmm. we were talking about the Black Lives Movement. Um, there, or, or you're talking about wearing masks, and is that infringement on your personal rights, or is that something that we need to do for public health and everybody needs to be part of it? There are stands that you can take, and that if you feel strongly enough about it, and that is part of your brand for your company, you should do it. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely do it, but you must be prepared for the repercussions. Um, and that's part of a really good PR plan is to understand that. So I want you to be, and I hate the word, but it's a really good word from this one, authentic about who you are. Um, but you want to talk about what channels you're going to say that on, how you're going to say it. And when people come back at you, how are you going to answer them and, and have that already set? So that's really important. How about number eight, Jordan? Yeah, so this falls back to the Rocky Ford discussion we had, you know, 10 to 15 minutes ago. Is there enough new information and new visuals that you can bring forward to media to change the narrative of the negative impact on your business or brand? If you have an opportunity to do that and you really have to think about it because you don't want to fall on the other side of that coin where you're just stoking the outrage that may have been there and existed already, is there enough there to really make you look good and change the public perception? And there are times when you do get that new fact, fun fact, get that new fact, which to you and everybody in your industry mm -hmm. is that turning point, that tipping point. Um, what I would then suggest, and this is number um, number 10, is should I join with an industry organization or a trade association where this is a tipping point for all of us that mm -hmm. are in whatever industry this is, whether it would be CBD, whether it would be even a, a, a city, whatever it is, doesn't matter what kind of group you're in, if you have that one fact and and then as a group, you come out with it, as opposed to you being the one person, especially if, if the attack has been on you to start with. But if as a group, you come out with it, that diffuses some of that, also gives it much more credibility because it's a group coming forward. Um, and so that's something to consider with if you have that one fact scenario, but it's an important fact. Um, and also at that point, make sure that that trade association or uh, or industry group has other video that they are providing of other companies along with you. Really, really important. So that the media has something else to work with as opposed to still coming back and saying, well, this is where it started. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're the picture of the outside of your building or people working inside your building or your sign 
is used. So make sure that they have the assets they need for those assets, that they have the video they need and hopefully will use. And they still may come back and refer to you, but now you have an entire industry. And then I would probably ask for that industry person to be the spokesperson for the new fact. That makes perfect sense. The other thing you can do, and um, we did, we used this, is if anybody, if you've got something with new research and you can partner with a university, you can get a university person to talk about what's going on that adds tremendous credibility for you when a new fact comes out because you have a scientist um, or you have somebody in business, even in a business situation. So you have a business professor talking about it. Think about that because is there somebody else that you can bring in? And certainly, as I said, everybody who I could get with any credibility to eat Rocky Ford cantaloupe ate it on TV. They ate it live. Um, and they didn't fall over and, and get sick. Instead, they were talking about how delicious it was and, mm -hmm. and nutritious it was and all of that. So think about that for your specific industry, what you want to do. But that added, that added sense of credibility of bringing that third party in is really, really important. Jordan, you want to talk about number 11? Yeah, let's talk about, you know, whether or not you need to be a part of the story. Do you have to respond? We kind of touched on this before, is that share of voice coming from a community bulletin on Facebook that has a total of 50 people in the group, and they're coming at you. And you know it's not true, but is it is it really worth uh, your time and energy to respond when you live in a city of 300,000? and 50 people are in this group probably not but let's say you live in a town of 150 and one third of the population's in that group it's a whole different, a thing. different context exactly Absolutely. so what's the share of voice we're not talking about the new york times necessarily knocking on your door and coming at you for something um sometimes it could be as small as that community newspaper other times it could be, you know, a large national outlet. And I think it's important to kind of dissect whether or not that share of voice is loud enough that you need to lend yours to it and quell whatever it is that's out there. Or is it just going to go away on its own? The other thing is, if it continues, do you need to be the first person to speak or do you want to see kind of where this is going? With what we've seen with the rapid cultural changes um, and where COVID is gone, with where masks have gone, um, you know, with where they, all kinds of, we've had so many movements in the past two years where with Me Too has gone. Is it interesting for you to comment once you kind of have all the information or at least more of the information? Jordan, what, what were you going to say? I, I think a great example with this is Costco with the masks. They were the first major retailer to say, you're not coming in the store unless you wear a mask. And you know what was trending on Twitter that day? Hashtag boycott Costco. Right. So when they made the decision to say, okay, we're going to require all, um, all shoppers and all employees to wear masks, they were prepared for the negative backlash that they right. would get from people who thought that that infringed upon their rights, hence the hashtag boycott Costco. Yep. But look at what happened in the following weeks. So many other retailers followed suit. So they had a game plan ready. So when you're thinking about getting involved or not getting involved or being that first person to do it, you better be prepared for both sides and both you know positive or negative consequences that may come from that. And that really leads us into the last of our dozen of ideas 
and suggestions that you should ask yourself when you're going into a situation like this is what do I need to plan and what do I need to prepare? What items um, while I'm monitoring the story? You need to make sure you have somebody media trained and you need to make sure you have your message points and you need to make sure those message points go to the hardest questions that are out there right now and you're going to have to update them as the story evolves. That's just the way it is. You need to think about outreach tactics. What reporters do you want to talk to? Who do you think is going to treat you the fairest? And that's something that we always consider when we're doing something. Um, and do you have video readily available where somebody can go and pull it that's going to support whatever it is that you're talking about? Really important because if you don't support, the nice thing now is that so many, um, Stations now accept video. There was a time when none of the news stations would accept video from outside. Now they do. And especially if it's if it's shot well and if it's um, not from a point of view, if it's just basic video. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if I was down the farm, I'm not going to shoot the porta potties unless it's a porta potty story. That's not going to be in my video. Great, great pictures of whatever the produce is for the farmer or um, or if I'm at a dairy farm, I'm going to shoot great cover video for them. So they have that um, mm -hmm. and I can give it to them and it's factual and it's not anything that's that's on either side of, of what's going on out there. So just think about that. What is it so that you're ready to go um, as the story evolves? If you decide that you need to be involved or if you think you're going to be involved and that's huge. If you think you're going to be involved in a story or your industry is going to be involved in a story, you need to be prepared so that when that local news person calls you, which is going to happen out of the blue, that you're, you're all have already thought through this stuff. So knowing what's going on in the news and how it impacts you is really important. So those are our 12 tips uh, for what you should do to prepare and the questions you should ask before you decide whether you need to talk to the media or whether you don't need to talk to the media. And I think that's one of the things as PR professionals, Diane, that we know, you know, when we should be promoting clients and when we need to pull it back a little bit, we know just, we know well enough how to keep clients out of the media as much as we do to keep them in the media. That's and right. I think that's really important. If you find yourself in a situation where you don't want to respond to a request, we always, 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 always <laughs> tell our clients to never, sorry, that was like a dramatic pause from Shakespearean yeah. stuff there. <laughs> you never yeah. want to say no comment right. because Diane, what happens when you say no comment? I call you and ask you a question. You're guilty of something. Exactly. I don't know what it is, but you're guilty of something. There's You lose all your credibility when you say no comment. It's like you're hiding something. That's really, you may not be guilty, but you're hiding something. Or you're really nervous. Or something else is going on I don't know about. And immediately, my husband always does this. Doo -doo. All of a sudden, the reporter is like, ooh, maybe I got something here. Is there something else I should get? Um, Especially if it's an investigative reporter. If you get an investigative reporter on the phone, man, the last thing you want to say is no comment. So let's talk about learning about what you do want to say. Well, we talked about this, you know, early on. Do your homework. You want to learn as much as you can about the reporter, the outlet they are reporting for. Um, when we're talking about national media outlets, Diane, I can't think of where I've seen it, but I know you and I have both seen it. It's that chart. 
that tells you um, factual versus non-factual or reliable versus non-reliable. And then it has the leanings as well. So it tries to position. It shows you where the major media outlets are, um, whether they're reliable factually or not, um, and what side, what type of you know liberal conservative lean they may have. You're probably not going to have that from your local TV stations unless you are just a news junkie who watches all of the time. But you will notice at times if, if you look at a reporter's um, Twitter feed and you're looking at what they're responding to or retweets, there's a reason why they say retweets do not mean endorsements because they may retweet something that you know just is egregious because they're bringing attention to it, but it ne doesn't necessarily mean they agree with that. So don't necessarily look at that, but look at the, the stories that they're covering. And Read I would say look stories. at the headlines. Yeah. That's going to give you a feel. There are stations who write more sensationalistic than others. Yes. Um, and that's, and I, they're supposed to get people to read and watch their stuff. Just remember that. That's their goal. I mean, why be a reporter if nobody's going to read or or listen or watch you? Their whole idea is you want to you want to get the information out there, and it is not easy to get people's attention. So, but there are different ways to do that. And so, when you look at different stations, you will you will absolutely see. You also know whether or not even different shows on the same station. Um, we have some in Denver that are very unique uh, and have very unique personalities versus other very straightforward shows. So it's really important to figure out which show it's going to be on, who's anchoring that show, and how that show writes what they do, how much commentary there is. All those types of things matter. So it's not just if, on, if it's television, it's not just the station, it's the show. Um, and that's that's for local as well as national, for that matter. Um, and when it comes to print, um, it is definitely um, who is editing that reporter's story. So if you're working with your city newspaper and you read three or four of this reporter's stories and they're pretty straightforward, then you're probably OK, because the same editor will usually work with the same reporter for the most part. So that's that's how you do that. But it's really important for you to to know that before you move forward. Make sure you call me back too. if I if I'm looking for a story and you say, all right, Jordan, I'll give you a call back in 15 minutes while you're doing your research on me. And then you forget about me. I'm going to move forward with my story with or without you. That's just how it goes. And I set my alarm on my phone. The other thing <laughs> is you lose the credibility. Yeah, that reporter will remember called back and who didn't call back and if heaven forbid something goes down that's not good for your company that's in the back of their minds it doesn't mean they're going to come after you i don't mean it that way but it's just like if, if you have a customer and they have a bad experience at your store every time they drive by they're going to think about that bad experience they have a great experience hopefully they'll remember it it's, it's not going to have the same searing memory that it does with the bad experiences we all know but right. <laughs> you want to develop a rapport with that reporter, even if you can't help them. And it's okay if you can't help them and you tell them that. Um, but we have some ideas on how you could help them. And I have done this so many times. I will get a call from a reporter who wants to talk to one of my clients. And for whatever reason, I'm not thinking it's a really good fit. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take my 15 minutes. I'm going to call them back and I'm going to say, unfortunately, 
this person isn't available, but before you go anywhere, I've got some great suggestions for you. That's again, where you bring in those third party trade organizations, industry associations, anything that you're doing with a university. Um, and I've already called whoever it is that I'm gonna suggest and say, this is what's going on. Would you be up for this? Will this work for you? So that they don't get called out of the blue. And then I can even tell the reporter, hey, and I was able, able to get this person for you if this is something that would interest you. It's not a push, it's an offer. And that that changes the whole conversation because, and, and I can tell you, I have had so many reporters call me after I've done that and say, that is a much better interview. I didn't even know that person was out there. Then you get that reputation that, you know, you can connect people. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the opportunity to either be the thought leader or to be the connector. And that's also a wonderful place to be when you're developing a relationship with a reporter. I think if, you know, people who may be watching this have had, you know, a rocky relationship with reporters in the past or may have their own, you know, opinions on where we are with media in 2020, I think this is a great opportunity to point out to them that they're not trying to catch you red-handed doing something right. wrong. They're just trying to do their job. Right. But then again, it's okay to say that, hey, this is not a great fit for me, but my buddy John, you know, he works for you know this organization. They kind of uh, have more of an umbrella view at what you're looking for. Let me give him a call and see if he can help you out. They will appreciate that because that's Absolutely. one less lead that they're going to have to track down. And when they're on deadline, my gosh, that is just huge. If you're right. the last person on their list to call and you can help them when they're out of people, they're going to be remember so that. In that. Yeah. Okay. That will so, be the one they remember. <laughs> so you've got the reporter who's going to dog you. They want you. They want you. They want you and they don't want anyone else. And you don't want to do it. Okay. There's several things you can do. One is you can ask for written questions. And then you answer the factual ones and you send back those answers and you do it fairly quickly. And you can say, unfortunately, these are the only questions I can answer at this time. And when you're writing your facts, if you remember from last week, we talked about the MNC3. How you write them is so important because anything you write can be taken. So remember your best friend. So it's you're writing it very conversationally and you've got a positive attitude as you're writing it and it's fine. Remember your worst enemy. Is there anything in there that they could say, oh, why didn't they put this in there? Why didn't they put that? Think about that. And then don't put industry jargon in because that fact or that statement could go up as a graphic on the story and you want it to go up and, and you want it to really emote whatever it is that you're trying to say. So that's really important. Um, if the comp, if the story is about your company and you don't want to comment, tell them you will send, don't ask for the, don't say, send me questions. Just say, I will send a statement to you and I'm happy to write it up again, work on it, move quickly, get them the statement. Then, then it, it's, <clears throat> it is, it, the statement is what it is. But again, think of the MNC three and how they're reading it. I once had a job where. Um, it was extremely politically charged job and everything we wrote to anybody was written three times. And I truly mean that every email was written three times. Every message was written three times. And you thought about um, it's really where I came up with the MNC three. You thought about people <laughs> reading it and how they could get you. 
what a great job, right? How Boy, imagine how much time, like extra time, you oh, could actually spend to get stuff going. Oh, fifty percent of my job. Stuff. I, feel like stuff. I hate that stuff. So <laughs> think about, think about this, um, because I think this is really important. And then you get off the phone, right, Jordan? I mean, that's you're done. Yeah, because you, the last thing we always tell our clients: if you know what you're going to say, the word "and" is where you <laughs> find yourself in trouble. <laughs> So say what you have to say and get off the phone. When you say and, it's ward vomit sometimes. And say it. Remember, when you're on the phone, no matter how bad it is, you're right. smiling. I want you to plaster this smile on your <laughs> face. It will change the tone of your voice. And it is very hard for somebody on the other end to continually bash you. When you have a smile, you're calm. And when you hang up the phone, whatever happens, happens. But while you're on that phone... I, I totally get what you're trying to do, and I understand your positions. I've said this so many times to reporters. What I can give you is a written statement, and you'll have it within the next half hour. I promise you. But that's all I can do. So thanks so much for calling, and I'm going to get started on it right now. Talk to you soon. Click. It's, I'm done. Right. I'm done. I haven't been rude. I've said goodbye. Mm -hmm. and, and then I make sure they have the statement in 30 minutes, period. That's it. And it should not ever be longer than 30 minutes. And you better have somebody, if you've got to go through lawyers or whatever, you're on, they're on the phone and you're going to going to do it. So those are our tips for today. Um, when not to talk to the media, how do you handle that? I hope that this has helped. Um, it was fun putting it together, wasn't it, Jordan? It was fun. I was really looking forward to this all day, especially the second half an hour here. I think there's some really good kind of news you can use tips in here. So certainly go back and watch. It'll be on our YouTube channel in the playlist and shortly up here on our MNC Move the Stairs blog.